it's just another layer of complication in the real estate transaction. Real estate is a risk-reward relationship. You get a reward for assuming certain kinds of risks. And your job as an investor is to assess those risks and determine if they're reasonable or not and if your return is going to be fair or not. And I would say don't shy away from it because it's probate. I'd much rather know the alligators in the swamp when where they are than be blindsided by them. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. What's going on, investors? And welcome to episode 246 of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Bill Gross. Bill is a real estate investor and broker that specializes in probate sales. In today's episode, Bill will explain what happens in the probate process and why some real estate investors love it and why others should stay away. So if you're interested in learning more about probate deals, then you need to listen to this episode. By the way, if you're an active real estate investor, then you need to have a solid lender on your team. If you're looking for a hard money loan, I can help. We do hard money loans nationwide at great rates and can close in 10 to 14 days. So if you're looking for a hard money loan, you can reach me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Let me know that you're a podcast listener and I'll give you a discount on our processing fees. And now, onto the show. Bill, thank you so much for being on our show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. So I'm Bill Gross. I am a real estate broker in Los Angeles, California. I've been in real estate longer than you've been born since 1986. Uh, and these days, the last few years, I focus almost exclusively on probate and legal real estate, helping investors uh, buy and sell property, helping estates um, get through and sell property that are probate related. Yeah. So Bill, we connected uh, through the meetup groups a couple of months ago. I had the pleasure of coming onto your meetup group over in Los Angeles and speaking about hard money loans. And you know, the reason why I want to have you on is because you are an expert in probate sales. In the real estate investing community, people are always talking about probate, probate, probate. I have never dealt with a probate case. I'm not really sure what it is. So I'm very happy to have you on to teach us all about probate. So go <laughs> ahead and just tell us a little bit about like, what is probate and uh, why do investors care so much about it? My good friend Tawny English taught me that probate is when you die, your estate sues yourself. And then after wasting as much money as possible between attorneys and legal fees and the court costs, the crumbs go to your heirs. And I think it's funny and it's true. Uh, the idea is that you want to avoid probate if you can. Now, if you're an investor, that creates opportunities for you. But if you're, if you're a homeowner... Uh, or in a successful investor, you want to make sure you avoid probate by having a estate plan, including a living trust, to avoid probate. But probate is the way that when somebody passes, the state, as effectuated by individual counties, decides how to divide up your material. It could be according to a will if you have one, or if there's a battle over the will, the court will decide if the will is good or not. Or if you don't have a will, the state has rules on how money gets distributed afterwards. But you want to avoid it. As an investor, you can imagine these situations are highly charged. They're technical. And so I find that wherever you have problems, those are opportunities. If you can figure out how to solve the problem, then you get paid. And that's why I think your second question is why do people, why are they interested in probates? And I think for the wrong reason, what I would tell people is 
Don't get interested because they're easier than other properties. Get interested because they're more complicated and more difficult, but your competitor won't chase them as much. So you'll find a better margin in some cases of probate than you will in other properties. Mm -hmm. So can you go over like an example of like what happens in a probate sale and what are these challenges and opportunities for investors? The most common circumstance for an investor is they find somebody that wants to sell a property. But that person says, well, the only problem is it was the title is in my grandpa's name. My grandpa passed, left it to my mom and dad. My mom and dad passed. I'm the only grandkid. Or I have eight cousins are all fighting over it. I'd love to sell you the property, but I'm not sure what to do. And the answer is that's a probate. And so savvy investors will help that customer find a way through the legal maze to get to where they have the authority to sell the property. Sometimes it means helping them go to find a good probate attorney. 95% of probate cases in LA are done by attorneys who've done one or less in the last year. So they don't really know what they're doing. So the problem is many people get involved with an attorney and it's, it's more work and they get stuck in the mud. They're not sure what to do. And that's where an investor, if you're local, for sure, call me. I'd be more glad to see if I can help you get you a game plan to get it kind of out of the mud and to get it to the finish line, which is buying or selling the property. Yeah. So I guess going back a little bit, when you're talking to these people and you're trying to offer them solutions, would you say the property is already in probate? Like the person who owned it already passed and now you're kind of like talking to the different heirs and trying to make a deal happen? Or is it before they pass and before they put it in a trust, you're like, hey, like, let me buy this property off you so that it doesn't go into probate? Well, all those. I mean, if you're doing this all the time, like I am, you, you come across all those. Uh, I have investors who market to pre-probates. They'll take people who passed obituaries, cross-reference people who own property. Those are called pre-probate data. The companies that sell pre-probate data like Foreclosures Daily sells pre-probate data. And they'll market to them. They know somebody died. Doesn't mean they have to sell a house. Doesn't mean for sure they own a house. But odds are somebody does and odds are somebody's going to sell. And there are investors who work that group diligently. There are other investors who wait until the family files a probate case with the court. And they'll contact them and say, hey, Sean, I see you filed a probate case uh, here in Los Angeles County. I'm an investor. And I'd like to offer you a cash offer on your property. And I can close in 10 days if you'd be interested. And sometimes you can't close quickly because the probate process will delay things. Sometimes some of the properties, they have authority and they can move right away. So there's a, a wide variety of cases. I teach a class, the 11 different ways to sell property in real estate that's probate. And so there's 11 different basic examples that come up. Do you mind going over some of them right now? Well, the two most common are marketing to the petitioner or owner of property. So that would be the most common one. Companies will sell you data with the idea that you will cont you know, mail out or, or you know, social media or door knock or uh, postcard the owners of property. Second is to establish relations with local attorneys. Another is look on the MLS for properties that do not need court approval but are probate because buyers will tend to avoid them. Another one is look for MLS that need court approval and learn how to buy property at court approval. That's a separate little niche that I specialize in. 
that's been very profitable for me. So buying property at the court is it's dramatic because there's a buyer who bought the property 90 days ago. And he's been waiting for the court to approve his sale. But anybody can walk in court that day and offer that same price plus 5% and $500 as long as they have a cashier's check for 10% of their offer and they're waiving all contingencies. Well, that's pretty gutsy, right? So what does that look like? So houses on the market in the MLS for $500,000, let's say in July. And a buyer got an escrow to buy it and he does due diligence, waives contingencies, puts a 10% deposit into EMD and they file, they have a court date. The court date's today. You're excited to buy it, but somebody else could walk in and offer $525,500. And if you don't raise them, they get the property. So as you imagine, it's pretty dramatic when it happens. So is this because, I guess, the in, in like the probate's mind, they want to get as much money as possible for the property? And even though if you already have an agreement with someone else, as long as someone else can come with, like you said, 10% down and offer a much better offer, too bad. Like even though you were already on a contract with someone else, this other person is offering more and it supersedes your previous offer. Well, you're under contract subject to court approval. Hmm. So to write an offer at property, we use a special form that says this offer has to go to court and get approved and somebody may come in and overbid you and it lays out all the rules. I see. So like, what are some of the issues with you know uh, buying a property on probate? For example, this exact thing, like you can get overbid in the future. So even if you have a slam dunk deal, someone can come and snag it off from you. Yeah, so generally, I would not recommend an investor to buy a property that needs court approval unless they're at court. I work with investors who are willing to do their research, show up in court with a cashier's check once in a while on properties that they want to buy. So I find that properties go to court. Oftentimes, you know, properties you see in the MLS, you don't know what they really sell for. You know, I don't know about you, but you'll check the, the, the solds and you go, wow, it sold for that. I thought it went for more. I would have paid that much. So here's your chance. In, in a court confirmation, they're going to give you the price. And if you bid that, you know, seven out of 10 times, if you're willing to bid that price, you're going to get the property. Occasionally, the buyer will come back and overbid you or there'll be other overbidders. But it's a chance, I think, to buy a property right away. The challenge is you have to do your due diligence in a very compressed period of time. Uh, and yet be committed yet to show up with a cashier's check in and waive contingencies if you're going to buy it. I mean, it's very similar to foreclosures in that sense, right? Where yes. you buy it with basically no due diligence period and you're coming down with money that's uh, ready to go, non-refundable. Well, I think it's better than those be- than trustee sales because your deposit is only 10%, not 100%. Right. You have some due diligence period, not zero. You get t- clear title insurance. When you buy a trustee sale, you're not getting clear title. At, at, a, at a probate, you're getting clear title. Insured, no liens. Big advantage. Yeah. So actually, you want to go over that a little bit because I guess that's why probates take so long because they want to make sure that titles are clear when they sell it. But you're saying foreclosures are not necessarily free of any liens or encumbrances? No. By definition, a trustee sale, they're only selling the rights of that deed of trust. And so it could be a first with a second behind it that gets wiped out, or it could also be a first with other liens that stand the property, depending on what they are, tax liens and uh, most common tax liens and city liens, county liens, all kinds of government stuff that you have to research and find out about. 
Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. So, I mean, I, I haven't done any uh, like buying properties on foreclosures or obviously probate yet. Um, but now I understand. Uh, I understand a little bit more. It's not that people are going and buying properties like on MLS that are probate sales and getting good deals that way. It's more so, um, like you're mentioning, uh, at the basically at the court courthouse steps when you're doing the court approval, you can get in there and bid for whatever you want to and get in my good price right there and there. Now, sometimes an investor will find a property that does not require court approval, and it's a probate. That's pretty much like a regular sale, but I'll get investors who call me and ask me to represent them on that sale because I'll call the listing agent. You know, in this market, it's very competitive to be a buyer's agent. I'm not a buyer's agent. I'm a listing agent. But my investors will ask me to represent them on a probate purchase because you know, I've been able to call the listing agent and talk to them and tell them I'm, I understand the probate process. I know it has to be done. There's still different forms. There's still a different process that has to be followed. But there are investors who like to buy properties off the MLS that are probate. There's a little bit of extra work that goes into those. How does the court, I guess, determine if a probate case needs to go to court and get court approval or not? When the petitioner files the probate, they can request full or limited authority. Full authority means that you can buy and sell property. The only thing you have to do is file a notice of proposed action before you sell property. So what it means is you can buy or sell it, and then you file with the court, hey, we're going to sell this house for this amount of money to this buyer. Anybody who follows the case can, can file an objection and say, hey, you're selling it too cheap. Other than that, you can sell the property however you want. If you have limited authority, that means that when you go to sell the property, you have to bring it to court, get the judge to approve it, and follow certain rules. So who is the petitioner exactly like in this case? Would it be like an heir? Most commonly, it's an heir. Most yeah. commonly, it's the, most, the biggest heir or the closest heir, the closest living relative. But sometimes that person's elderly and it's a different heir or they're out of state, it's a different heir. Uh, it could be a creditor if nobody steps up. Sometimes the mortgage lender or somebody will file a probate to get the process started. And then a family member might say, hey, instead of you do it, I'll do it. Because there's a prioritization level the state law has created that says, based on your, your relationship to the decedent, the closer you are, the higher priority you have of being the petition, of being the approved petitioner. So usually it's spouse for sure, kids, you know, grandkids, and there's nieces, nephews, uncles, parents. So there's a, there's a law that lays all that out. And then who determines whether someone gets full authority versus limited authority? The judge. Okay. So you can apply for one or the other. If you apply for full, the judge may give it to you. He may only give you limited authority. If you apply for limited authority, that's all you're going to get. Most cases are full, but some cases need to be limited authority. Maybe there's multiple heirs fighting. Maybe the petitioner doesn't have good credit, can't get a bond. It's a common problem. Uh, many times the attorney talks him into limited authority because they feel it's safer, but at the end of the day, it costs the state a lot of time and money. Big mistake, I think. Yeah, can you repeat that one more time? Like, what do you mean? Like, if the the major petitioner doesn't have good credit, can't get a bond, like, what does that have to do with getting the uh, property in full authority? So think of you know managing a probate case as the administrator, executor. It's like running a business, right? You have a house that's worth a half million dollars. You have some stocks and bonds and personal property, a car you get to sell. It's like a business. The state's priority is first that the taxes get paid. 
Again, the, the state's in charge here, not you. You passed. So they would make sure taxes get paid, that creditors are paid, that the court gets paid, the attorney fees get paid, and then what was left goes to the heirs. So if you if you want to sell a property, but you don't have, um, let's say that there's multiple heirs or there's multiple creditors, or they're not sure the tax is paid, the court might say, well, we want you to guarantee a certain amount of money, uh, either uh, put the cash or a bond. And so most commonly people will get a bond to guarantee the assets in the estate. So it might be million dollars of assets. The judge might require a million dollars of bonding. The judge might only require $200,000 worth of bonding if there's you know, uh, not likelihood of other creditors or things like that. So it depends. It depends on the case. The judge looks at it, makes those decisions. At a minimum, they're going to ask for about a $20,000 bond. If you're not bondable, you probably can't get a full authority approval. Hmm, I see. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, different things that go on in probate. Mm-hmm. And I guess like the, the big key takeaway is if you don't want your heirs to go through all of this nonsense, uh, have a good estate plan, have a living trust. Yes. Uh, yes. I guess even a will would work too, because then no. you no. Okay. Well, wh- why don't you explain that? <laughs> Biggest misconception. A will does not avoid probate. A will is probated to be effective or a will gets approved and acted on in probate court. So think of it like this. Think of uh, you individually pass. There's nothing you can do to avoid probate. However, if your assets aren't your personal assets, but they're in your living trust, your living trust doesn't die. So when, when you maybe as the beneficiary of your trust passes, the living trust goes, well, what do we do when he passes? Oh, we sell the house. We give all the money to his kids. We give all the money to his wife because it's written in the living trust what to do. It's the living trust property, not your personal property. So if you have a will, you're going to go to you have to go to court to figure out what to do with it. Okay, makes sense. And so why don't you go into a little bit more about like what you do and your specialty with probates? Well, I'm a real estate broker. I help people buy and sell property. So investors, I help them find property. I oftentimes find investors on calls like this who learn about me and have a property they want to buy, but it's a probate and they have some questions and need some help. So I help investors kind of untangle the mess to buy properties. I help estates that probate properties to sell, sell property at the best price, at the best terms, and, and waiving, uh, spending as little as necessary on the legal fees. So if you're helping a brand new like client, like when would you tell them, hey, this is worth going for? Or here, you might as well just go on a regular property that's on the MLS. Usually it's the opposite. Usually somebody calls me and says, I want to buy this property, but some probate. Can you help me? Got it. They found the property. They know it's a good deal. I can buy it for $500,000. It's a great deal. The seller wants to sell it to me, but there's a, it's in probate or it needs to be probated. Can you help me? That's usually the phone call that I get. That makes sense. So what are like the, uh, the things to worry about or some of the risks that are involved with you know, going for these type of properties? Well, they're complicated. Anytime you have complications, you don't really necessarily know the answer. I think also people are always more scared the first time in anything. Um, and my job as an expert is to help unpack that and prepare investors like you and say, either this is a good deal and here's why, or this is a risky deal and here's why, or you know, avoid this deal and here's why. That's my job. And so I guess, can you elaborate on some of the risks that are involved with probate deals? 
you could buy a property, get an escrow, and your money is tied up for a long time. I had buyers who, who with COVID, their money was in escrow, 10% EMD. And the money sat there for nine months, and then they got overbid. So the money sat there just not, not you couldn't access it, uh, could get your money back. Um, you're stuck with it. And then the very last minute at the courthouse steps, someone did the 10% uh, like above. Yeah. The other one, is, yeah. Or the other way is you buy a property, you do due diligence, you spend months on it, you're excited about it, you're ready to get it, you show up, you're there with your wife or girlfriend to show her how you got the property. And then I walk with my investor and we overbid you and we buy the property and walk out the door with it. <laughs> and you go, I've had this for nine months. How did you get the property? I see. Uh, any issues with financing a probate deal? So it's a little tricky because um, if you're buying at the court, technically it's to be a cash offer, I should say legally, and you have to be ready to close 10 days after the judge issues an original signed order. What does all that mean? Well, cash really just means there's no mortgage or deed of trust. Usually cash can mean hard money. So there are lenders who will fund loans for probate that I work with, hard money lenders. But you can't get a standard Fannie Mae 30-year fixed rate mortgage most of the time. Some escrows will allow a mortgage. It depends on the escrow. Then there's the um, part with cash and what was the other one? Um, timing. So part of my value to an investor is I know the judges, I know the attorney, I know the case. Yeah. And I can say to an investor, hey, even though it's 10 days after the judge signs it, this attorney is a mess. They're never going to have the order ready within a week or two. You're going to have a week or two plus 10 days or three weeks plus 10 days. And so then I can help buy my buyer some extra time to close the deal. I had one case where, so when you buy a property at probate court, you don't get a standard contract. There's no contingencies. You're supposed to just get the court order form. The judge signs it. I had a listing agent one time who insisted on the standard RPA forms. I thought, well, great. That protects my buyer. Stupid. So we go ready to walk the property the day before close, and there's a squatter there. And I turned to the listing agent and said, well, that's your problem. And the listing agent said, no, the property sold as is. I said, yeah, but you made us sign the RPA contract. The contract states the properties would be in the same condition. We walked it. It's supposed to be vacant. You made it your problem by using these forms. They're not required. So my job as an agent is to know the, the rules and then use them for my client's benefit. Hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot to unpack here, um, especially when it comes to tricky situations like this one. Uh, but therein lies the opportunity because would you say that most most uh, new buyers would probably stay away from a probate deal just because it is more tricky? And most agents probably wouldn't show their clients a probate deal because they don't want you know their clients to have a thing tied up in escrow for nine months only to get outbid at the last second? Right. So I always feel like if you're new, bring me the case if you're, if you're interested in it. My job is to help you understand it. And then from there, you can make an informed decision. Yeah. And so I guess before we go into I guess, your investing journey, what other things uh, do you think we should know more about probate that we haven't spoken about yet? You know, I think I would say that it's just, it's just another layer of complication in the real estate transaction. Real estate is a risk-reward relationship. You get a reward for assuming certain kinds of risks. And your job as an investor is to assess those risks and determine if they're reasonable or not and if your return is going to be fair or not. 
And I would say don't shy away from it because it's probate. I'd much rather know the alligators in the swamp when where they are than be blindsided by them. Yeah. And can you remind us again, where do we go and find these probate deals? Or when do we find like these you know, court dates and the current pricing for them? Now we're talking about here in LA or in California or where, where are we talking about? Well, I guess in general, where would someone go out and find it in their, sure. in their market? So as vendors that sell this data, uh, one that I use is alltheleads.com, A-L-L-T-H-E-L-E-A-D-S.com. They sell data. They sell marketing systems that go with it. I use their brochure. I use their website. They have great free training. They do a weekly mastermind call. It's on YouTube. They also do a monthly role play call, also on YouTube and their website. Great material for free, so I would recommend people check that out. If you're looking to get into the business as an investor, your investor already looking to get into this niche, Call me. Maybe I can help you with a game plan. Uh, either if it's in California, I might have the data for you. We can share it from another vendor. Or I might have a team member that might work with you to be able to help make it effective. So I would go to alltheleads.com. And then again, you know, feel free to reach out to me if I can help. I'd be more glad to, to talk and give you. I'll give anybody 15 minutes to help them put a game plan together. Very cool. And so let's transition into the next part of our uh, interview today. Bill, why don't you tell us about your real estate journey how you got into it, and you know what are you doing in the investing space? I was born in real estate. <laughs> I say that all the time. I think it's funny. We all were born in real estate. Um, you know, I started my career out of college in computers electronics, and my brother was in real estate. And um, I was doing well. I was transitioning from Florida. I grew up here in California, moved to Florida for two years on a business deal. I was moving back. And I went to lunch with my brother. And um, I went back from lunch. He said, hey, just pretend you're my partner. And we walked to an office and he talked to his client. And I just sat there and looked good. And it was interesting the way he talked to people, how they respected him. In my computers, it was all on the phone. It was all corporate, other companies. So the next week, we went to lunch again. We did the same thing. I just found it fascinating, the business and the idea. And so he and I just talked about it and we started working together. Um, and that was 1986. And I haven't left since. It's, I've done different things. I, I've been in sales and management and ownership. I've been in mortgages as well as real estate. Uh, three years ago, I, I was in corporate and I worked for two companies in a row where the owners were just liars. And like a lot of people in corporate, your job's dependent on the ownership of the company you work for. And I, I, didn't, want to, I didn't want that to happen. In fact, one of my coaches passed away. And I just said, you know, I don't spend the rest of my life working for somebody else. I want to go out and chase my own dream. And so I left, went back into real estate sales three years ago. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, at the end of this third year now, you know, I've sold 30 houses, 42 sides, made really good income, tremendous, you know, addition to my personal wealth and love what I do. And I feel like I help people every day. I, I you know, I'm not very mechanical. Like if you look behind me, those paintings or things on the wall, I can't even have to put them up. I call my son-in-law to do that for me. Um, I, I don't. Even, I have a toolbox, but I don't ever use the tools. I just show them to him, and he knows what to do. So I'm not a. I don't. I'm not very mechanical. Um, I like what I would call lipstick flips, where if I can buy a property, trash it out, Molly made and clean it up, polish it so it's nice and pretty and smells nice, new pictures and remarket it and and flip it and make fifty thousand dollars. I'll do that. So I do about two of those a year. I work with investors who make you know money on, on deals. I make good money on my commissions. And then I invest in passive income real estate and also stocks and such. 
So um, I'm not a flipper in the sense that we have properties. Um, I'm not a buy and hold. I just, I think I might um, just personal level. I'm probably going to exit from sales the next two or three years. And I'd like to move back to Florida and my, I'm going there in December to buy rental property. And my goal is to buy a multifamily, be a multifamily investor, but in South Florida where I want to move to. So very cool. You moved to like Miami? Boca, Boca Raton. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I used to live there. Nice. Yeah. I have properties in Jacksonville and then we were in Miami for a conference uh, a few months ago. So yeah. And so why don't you talk a little bit about your, your, your real estate group? Why did you create it and how has that been going for you? Well, originally, um, I uh, went to a couple of real estate groups and loved the idea of meeting people and helping people, helping new investors, networking with experienced investors. Uh, and then I started my own once a week. Um, and then when COVID hit, I was going to do it in person, so I moved it online. And so I host two Zoom calls a week, one on real estate investing. It's Tuesdays, 3 o'clock, realestateinvestingzoom.com. And I get 20 to 30 people a week on that. And then I host Thursday, 4 p.m., probateweekly.com. And I get about 40 people on that. And then I stream it, put it on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. And, you know, it's really exciting in that I feel like I talk to so many more people now. It really gives me the chance to leverage my time and help more people. And as a result, my business has just, you know, exploded in the last you know, year or two during COVID. It's been the best year of my sales career by far. Not even close. Yeah, I'm feeling the same thing. Like I have the podcast here, YouTube channel, and meetup group. Um, just like you, I used to meet twice a month over here in South Bay in the Bay Area. But then due to COVID, we moved it all online. So that had the extra benefit of not enabling anyone from the world to come to my meetups. Like I've had right. someone from Britain come through, someone from India come through. Um, and we would have never met these people if not for this online community. Yeah, and I have a, a, a in real life event tomorrow night. The biggest event I used to go to was the L.A. R.E.I.C. Lyric. Uh, it was once a month at the um, Olympic Collection. And they had like two, three hundred people. It was a great event once a month. But the Olympic Collection is closed down now. And that venue, they're moving it to uh, UCLA. But tomorrow night will be the first post-COVID meeting of that group. That will be my first live you know, marketing event since COVID started. And I have mixed feelings. On one hand, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people and, and – uh, but it's so convenient to work from home. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Same here. We're also going to have a live meetup event um, in Los Altos, which is, again, here in the Bay Area. First one in a very long time. So excited wow. to see everyone there. Yeah. So, Bill, thank you again so much for being on our show. Um, is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to leave to our listeners before we finish up today? You know, the only thing I t- try to tell people, the, the quote I try to live my business by was from my first coach, Zig Ziglar. And he said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And, and I, I see people who are new starting out and very focused on getting something and grabbing something. And understand everybody has something to give. And if you give of yourself, then you'll get back more in return than you can imagine. So just try not to get too focused on the taking and try to look for somebody who might need some assistance or where you can create value for other people. Solid. And yeah, for all those listeners out there, I know this was a super like information dense um, episode, especially about probates, considering we, we never talked about this before and it's not really talked about in other real estate investing groups or forums. So if you need to, definitely go back and listen to this episode multiple times. But of course, if you need to, also feel free to contact Bill. Uh, Bill, how can people get in contact with you? So um, probateweekly.com is my weekly show. You're welcome to register there and, and I'll get your, your contact info there. 
you can see me on YouTube. Bill Gross EXP is my YouTube channel. Uh, but you're welcome to call me or text me or email me directly. My direct phone line, 310-210-0008. Again, 310-210-0008. Perfect. Bill, thank you again so much for being on our show today. It was a pleasure having you on. Sean, thank you. It was fun. Fun getting together again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.